Hey, I'm Nate Flax. I'm Noah Longworth-McGuire. And this is Talking Lion. Talking Lion is a podcast focused on artist-to-artist conversation. We're primarily artists, a duo called Sleeping Lion, but we've been lucky enough to write, produce, and hang out with so many incredible rising artists since we started our project. Whether it's at sessions or parties or over cups of coffee, we've talked with our creative friends about everything. Music, life, love, and all the subtle complexities that come with being in the middle of a journey. Talking Lion is about hitting record in these conversations and sharing them with you. There's no real structure, nothing really prepared, just friends talking about life and what it's been like and where it's going. We recorded this episode with our good friend Lizzie Land. We were first introduced to Lizzie through her manager Will, and we hit it off in our first songwriting session together. That day we wrote her song Losing My Head, which was inspired by the historical figure Anne Boleyn, and since then we've become great friends. Some context for this interview. We recorded this a few weeks before Lizzie released her new EP, Intro Music Plays, which is available now on all platforms. The EP features the song we wrote together, Losing My Head, and on August 20th she'll be releasing remixes from the EP, including our remix of her song, Messed Up. I also made a brief cameo in the music video for Messed Up. Lizzie and her manager Will are two of the kindest people we've met in Los Angeles. Likewise, she's become one of our favorite collaborators and we're consistently floored by her incredible vocals and musical intuition. So, without further ado, I'm Lizzie Land and you're listening to Talking Line. Oh, it's really good. Did you guys come up? You obviously made that yourself. Well, what's, what's funny is the intro song was like when we first started, like Noah sent me like 10 beats to write over. Mm-hmm. That was just like a weird song, but I always liked it. I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah, that'd be fun for like a montage or something. Yeah, we're always going to like use it in a video or something. Yeah, right. We did it three, know it would become three years theme. ago. Yeah. All right. So, everybody ready? Action. Yeah. Welcome, <laughs> welcome you. on. Thank you so much for having me. Well, we've we've been hanging for like the last two hours as it goes, yeah, uh, or so. Noah made steak. I that was quite the hang. Wine. I'm I'm full. Yes, I was asked what my most favorite food pairing with beverage would be, and I thought of it as more of a last meal, <laughs> and <laughs> came up with steak and wine. So we had a you really thought it was gonna be a hypothetical thing. Yeah, like, you oh, thought like, it was what's, what's your favorite did. meal? Yeah, I thought it was not expecting like a us fun to make the, the right. food. But no, it was good, and, and we're we're all wind up a little bit too wound, not wound up, wind up, <laughs> wind up. I like wound up though. Yeah, but like implying that, and, yeah, like as as like a wine verb, like yeah. How, how much wine did you have? Well, I'm wound up now. Um, <laughs> That's such a dad show. How have you been lately, though? I'm really great, really overwhelmed. <laughs> I mean, just a lot of little things happening that I have to, you know, piece together while my EP is coming out. So yeah, well, it's overwhelming. That's but. always how how it. It's like the good kind of. Yeah, it's oh, a fun yeah. stress, I guess, to have. And the record's really. I'm excited about it. That's like I'm excited too. Yeah, we're What's, a little we're a little we're biased, a little biased, but we're definitely yeah. excited about this record. Right? Yes. And Nate we, and Noah <laughs> produced a song that's going to be going on my EP, and it's one of my favorites. We, I mean, it was one of our favorite sessions and one of our favorite songs of the year. I remember like after leaving, and we'll, we'll talk about it later, but I remember like after leaving the session, like, do we do it? Do we write like a, a song? Yeah. Oh, a song? I mean, I got song? some really good news today actually about it that um, a bigger blog is going to post that song and then it's going to be spun as song of the day on a radio station. Hey, uh, that's fun. We got that radio play. We got it. I'm here for it. I'm definitely here for it. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. We got to travel back 
to the very beginnings first. <clears throat> okay. To way back to the year 1543. Wow. When <laughs> all of our ancestors, uh, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. I thought um, you were going to go into like Anne Boleyn. I don't really know when she, <laughs> what her time yeah, period was. We should have we done a little bit of research before. If we're going to talk about Anne Boleyn, we should. But where were you born? Is the question I was oh, going to ask. Okay, yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. So I was born in Portland, Oregon. Born and raised there or did you move? Yes. Yeah, so my parents were both in the entertainment industry and they met in Los Angeles uh, filming a movie together. Oh, what, what did they both do? Uh, my dad was a model for Elite at the time and nice. my mom was a Playboy bunny. Whoa. There you uh, go. She lived in the mansion for a short time. Um, yes, I was as shocked as you guys are <laughs> when I found out. <laughs> But yeah, they were both like trying to make it big, I guess. And um, when I came along, they moved to Portland to raise me. They separated not long after, but um, I grew up in a suburb outside of Portland. I met your sister too. Is she older? My sister is a half sister. She's on my dad's side and she's always lived in Los Angeles. We've never really lived together, but we always like summered together and... In, in Portland, one, was the dream of the 90s alive there? So alive, yeah. <laughs> it was a weird, weird place, even weirder than it is now, I think. Were you doing music as a kid? I mean, I was always kind of like immersed in something musical. I always took, I took like theater classes and I liked to perform in like little showcases, like local things. And I was just kind of like a crazy kid. Like my mom would really let me do whatever I wanted and I would try to like perform at her dinner parties and <laughs> stuff like that. Um, so I always kind of like was doing music. My first memory of writing and thinking of myself as like doing music was this my mom got me this black tape recorder and I would I had like a little baby Yamaha keyboard and I would play like that bossa nova thing and then like sing over it and write in like this little diary these like crazy lyrics I'm sure something really like juvenile and stupid but I would put together these songs and I'd record it on my tape player and I'd be like this is Lizzie Land and you're listening to Z100 like my favorite radio station oh then God. I'd go to the garage and I'd sit in the car and put it on the dash and pretend like I was driving and that it was like the radio playing and like listen to myself <laughs> that was like the dream of mine was yeah. to be able to say something like that and, like yeah. hear myself on the radio today's pop today I think yeah. that, I forgot yeah. the actual slogan but it was I mean that was where you first hear the song that's how you knew it was like a big, right, big song yeah. Um, so w- were you writing like songs when you were a kid or was like yeah. made up stuff or? Yeah, I remember writing little things. I mean, I don't, I didn't realize, you know, what went into a song. I didn't know like the structure of a song, but I would write little things and I would pretty much just sing over loops on my little keyboard for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> that was the beginning of it. Were, were either your parents, I, I know they were in entertainment, but were they musical or sort mm-hmm. of influenced? My dad says that he was in a band. I've never heard anything <laughs> from it, but he's, he was like in a real garage band in the 70s like i guess he was the singer but he has no proof so <laughs> i've never Believe heard it, it. I see it yeah he loves music i mean i've never like not felt support from both of my parents as far as like these dreams and like what i really wanted to do i mean he's like a really big fan of like rolling stones and like that whole era of music he grew up in so he like was a avid fan of music and then my mom was more of an actress like really wanted to get into that and yeah I mean she played a lot of like Enya and like Celine Dion and Sade and like all those really like ethereal kind of 90s artists when I was growing up so it was Which I like, think bleeds into your music I mean I think there's yeah, so much sure. like atmospheric vocal stuff oh yeah that and I've there. I think like the older that I've gotten, I feel more nostalgic when I write now too, yeah. which is why I kind of dip into those like genres is because it just reminds me of like when I was truly 
Not that I'm not a fan of music, but when I was like a real only a an fan, an uninformed fan of music, yeah. right? Like yeah, a, a when I, I was discovering noises, yeah, that I like, well, no, never heard hits you before. Like it does when you're angsty, like you know, totally. Nothing, and there's stuff that still like hits me now, but not to like the same. I don't think it ever will hit me to the same intensity as it did yeah. when I was, you know, 14 and hated my parents and had a crush. Like oh, yeah. there's something yeah. really, but also like profound. Like when about I was eight, time. I was super into Pink and Madonna and like all of those oh, kinds yeah, of artists. Yeah. And like it, I, it was before I even had the ability to like judge anything. I was like, I listened to Maroon Five and Pink and Madonna. That's and then awesome. when I got older and angsty, then I was like, that's not real music. I have to listen to angry music because that's the only <laughs> way to feel validated. But like wow. now, I think now as an adult, I feel really like nostalgic for the stuff that I listened to before I was even like a person. Yeah. Because it was just so raw. Like I was just like driving to school and I was like, I like this song. Like it's fun. Yeah. I mean, what kid like doesn't enjoy pop music, you know, because yeah, right. it's just like innately like fun and catchy. Like it's designed to not to be enjoyed without yeah. necessarily thinking yeah. about it. I mean, my, one of my favorite songs as a kid, one of the first songs I ever downloaded on iTunes was Wonderwall. Oh, and, such a great yeah. song. And I, I remember the first time I heard it was at a camp talent show. To oh, like, like performed, yeah, two fifteen, like two of the counselors who were fifteen, sixteen. Mm-hmm. They might as well have been forty in my brain, but like yeah. two of my counselors performed it, and their performance of it was just so profoundly incredible. Yeah, that, you know, I looked it up and fervently found that music. Yeah, it was just so interesting because now it's like a Wonderwall's Wonderwall's Wonderwall. Yeah, but so many like but, cool variations of that song have come out. Yeah, but even Avril Lavigne like complicated. Yeah. I love oh, Avril Lavigne. I'm no joke. I was listening to Avril Lavigne yesterday. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> we listen to "Come Clean" by Hilary Duff at least once a week. So, oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I went through like a lot of different phases with music too. I remember my Avril phase was like I was probably going to middle school, and it was like when I was first like able to like date because our middle school was when you know like the two different schools joined so i was like meeting all these new oh guys. yeah the girls and, like, school and a boys school and then no but i mean like we had k through six and then our middle school was just seventh and eighth grade mm. so it was like other schools uh there was like two schools that blended together oh. so i was meeting all these like new people <laughs> new prospects <laughs> <laughs> you're, out, you're on the prowl. but i got like all emo because i had like a crush on this guy and i remember listening to avril lavigne and like had my head up on the like on the window of the car and it was like raining because it's Oregon and I was just like I'm so sad <laughs> he doesn't I, love me I feel the way about like Imogen Heap stuff like oh, you know Imogen like Heap when she so said you don't care too. a bit at the end of hide and seek I'm yes. like I'm like she, you're right like she doesn't care a bit yeah know? and Linkin Park I mean oh, Linkin yeah. Park was so good that was, was the so first uh, my first like boyfriend I guess he wasn't <laughs> he wasn't like a real boyfriend but I met him at a church camp and he lived like in Hillsboro, which was far from where I was living. But we would like my mom would let me call him like every other week or whatever. When the minutes were free. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> he probably lived like an hour and a half away or something. So my mom had to drive me to go to this movie theater by his house. And for his birthday, I got him the Lincoln Park CD. And I was like really proud. I thought I picked out like a really good gift. <laughs> Which one was it? Was it he was theory? so excited. Um, I don't remember. It had the one with the wings on the front with the thing with the wings. I think that's I think either Hybrid Theory, Meteora. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I'm sure it's Meteora like, was uh, him on the scaffolding. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. It was Hybrid, Hybrid Theory, yeah. yeah, it was the first one with the wings. That's the thing, like, these songs, like, stay, you know, stay with us. Which I think what's funny now is that there's been so much of a sort of resurgence of what influenced us back then because the music's being written by people who grew up with that stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but I think there was true. definitely a pocket where I definitely felt disconnected from stuff that, that I was hearing. You yeah. Know? Because yeah. it was it was made by people who were influenced by stuff that I didn't necessarily grow up with. Right. So there's all this sort of like interesting sort of retro scale or whatever. Yeah, it is kind of coming full circle now. 
Did you perform while you were in Oregon? Um, yeah, so let's see. I mean, the first, like I mentioned earlier, I did do like local shows, just like theater things. And then I did- uh, What theater, I, like musicals? Yeah, musicals I did like Oliver in? Twist, oh, nice. Annie. Nice. Um, were you Annie and Annie? No, I was always like an off character because I could never remember my lines. <laughs> um, but I always did have like a singing part. I remember when I was like in second grade, is when I did Oliver Twist and I was the Artful Dodger. Ooh. And they were like, it, yeah, well, I wasn't like a, that was my bigger part. <laughs> that's and, a, that's um, a big part though. It was, it was yeah. an okay part. You have a song. So I did, yeah. yeah. So I got my song and I, I nailed the song, <laughs> but I couldn't remember any of the lines. And I remember my teacher having to like sit in front, you know, cause they're like always there to kind of like yeah. help these kids. I was a kid. So that she was like mouthing the lines to me. <laughs> So I wasn't really like performing. I was just looking really confused and just like repeating what she was telling me to say. But I guess, okay, so after that, I started getting into choir and I was in choir throughout middle school and in high school. And then I did this show choir class. It was called Company at the high school that I was in. And um, What part were you? Were you soprano? I was in alto. Okay. Mm -hmm. But that is when I was really, like we did a variety show every year at the end of the year where we kind of got to choose what we wanted to sing and we can like kind of choreograph the performance however we wanted. It could be just you or like you could have dancers and like you kind of just like make it up yourself and then you audition and then they either like accept it or they don't. And I did a song from Chicago. Oh, which one? Oh gosh. Well, I did all that jazz at one point, nice. but I did a solo <laughs> something style. else. Oh, I did. I Okay. I was actually, yeah, I did all that jazz, but I was actually thinking of, I did a Michael Buble song, Sway. Oh, like yeah. the Michael Buble version oh, of yeah, Sway. Yeah, yeah. And that, that was song. like my solo. And then <laughs> after I started performing like that, I was kind of realizing how much I enjoyed it. And from there, it kind of like sparked the idea that I wanted to continue performing. So when after high school, I moved to New York with the intention of really like trying to go for more of a Broadway thing. But when I got there, I was realizing that I wanted to start like writing my own music and do you, less of the theater school? thing. Like, did you go? Yeah, I went to Marymount Manhattan. Oh, okay. And I went for less than a year. I actually dropped out after about a year because I was studying communications. I chose it because I just felt a little unsure of what I really wanted to be studying and it seemed vague and enticing at the time. <laughs> but it ended up just being really expensive and since I wasn't sure, I just felt bad putting that burden on my family right. to help me pay for that. And so I just was taking a break. I wasn't like dropping out thinking that I wasn't going back to school, but I did, I stayed in New York. I had two different jobs at the time. I was working at, as a server in different restaurants and I'd never been a server before. What I, area of Manhattan were you um, The I worked at a uh, fine dining restaurant called Desmond's, which is now closed, but it was on like the Upper East Side. Uh -huh. And then I worked in the West Village at an Italian restaurant. And then I worked- Wait, which Italian restaurant? It was called Spasso, that's closed. Okay, still. Right. Um, <laughs> both of them closed, I don't know. <laughs> um, but then I also worked at Italy when Italy was opening, oh, oh, nice. like right as it opened, I was the first like the person one to work downtown? there. The one in the Flatiron District, okay. yeah. So I had all these jobs and then I started interning with a music producer to kind of like learn the ins and outs and- What was the other job you, cause you said you, had two, you were serving and you were doing- Just, I was all serving really. And then okay. at Italy, I was working behind the fresh pasta department. So I would like wrap up pasta and I would sell like truffles. Oh, nice. That's fun. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was fun. 
Um, so you started interning with this producer. Right. I had this, yeah, intern-esque job. I was really like a runner. And I had like a really weird experience there. He wasn't the type of producer I would work with now, I guess I would say. Mm -hmm. It kind of tainted my view of like what the entertainment industry was like because he would bring in kind of younger artists and try to like mold them into things that I don't feel they necessarily like were. Try to kind of brand them off the bat without getting to know them. And I haven't met a lot of people like that since, but that was my first experience. Yeah. And it was like very confusing, almost like a movie of what you would see. <laughs> like and I was like, this movie. Yeah. yeah, it was, it's, I haven't experienced that since, but it was confusing for me. So was he ever, sorry, if you don't want me asking, but was he ever, he like, wasn't doing anything or? inappropriate. No. I mean, he probably said weird things, but nothing inappropriate to me. Mm. Um, and I was pretty young. I mean, I was like 18. So it was it was just a weird environment for me. And it was turning me off to the idea of like me being in that position because I saw these girls go in and out. And it was just confusing, not like what I imagined it was supposed to be like. Right. Um, and you had then, no other sort of point of reference. No, for, yeah, I didn't. Yeah. yeah. So I felt very like naive. Were, were you performing in New York around that time? Yeah. So all? that's when I started to do these like loop covers. I remember oh. I watched a video of Tune Yards. Um, it was a 4AD video on YouTube and mm. she was looping an electric ukulele and it was really amazing and really different and interesting. And she would sing over it and she creates her own like instrumentals and does this whole song like on her own, this one man band thing. And I went out and got like a Digitech jam man pedal uh, from Guitar Center. <laughs> and then I started just kind of looping my own versions of like these instrumentals and adding to them just songs that I was like fanning over at the time. I think I did <laughs> like, like what was, yeah. I, um, I did a cover of Paper Planes by MAA. Nice. Um, I did a cover of Rolling in the Deep by Adele, um, Sail, <laughs> New All Nation. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, yeah, it was like that whole yeah. time period of like when that was kind of coming up. I remember as I was doing this, Kimbra was starting to do her loop videos. So yeah. I was like really inspired by that whole thing going on. And then they didn't really go viral, but Sail got a bunch of traction on YouTube at the time because it was like still a fairly new concept. And that's actually how I met my manager. He found Will. <laughs> he oh, wow. found my YouTube video um, and what, reached what out to me. That then you and Will have been working together for, for a while. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I want to say like 2011. Okay. Adam. Wow. Maybe 2012. Where were you performing around New York? I performed at these little like dive bars. So I took these like loop covers and then I just, I, I really just showed up with a backpack with just my <laughs> pedal in it and like a microphone and people would be like, oh, this will be cute, like she's <laughs> alone. But it was really cool because it was all instinctual. I didn't have anything to quantize the beats with this slew pedal because it doesn't do that. So right. I had to really just go off of like how it was the vibe of like what I had already laid down and like really time it. And it was like teaching it me a lot. It was always really hard. I remember it. Yeah. It didn't, it, yeah. You had to loop it within whatever framework you were in. Yeah. And you had to just bleed, you know, and make sure that. Exactly. Yeah. In. That yeah. was actually quite an issue at these dive year bars because there was so much sound and yeah. it wasn't like conducive to what I was really trying to do. Mm -hmm. But I, you can make it work. I mean, I brought my own amp sometimes just in case their like system wasn't working. I had like a little spider amp that I would oh, bring nice. and it still sounded cool. Did you play the sidewalk cafe i don't know i didn't mm -mm. Uh, that i would go as a kid like on monday nights the open mic yeah there, 
at like every Monday I could sneak out to oh. go to. So I was just curious if I... <laughs> no, I don't... Um, so it was in the East Village. Yeah, I yeah. don't remember all of the venue's names. I know like Fat Baby was one. Um, <laughs> uh, the Black Cat, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just kind of smaller places. I didn't really know like what I was getting out of that. I wasn't trying to like become famous from these performances you're, you're but, yeah, but yeah it yeah. was like yeah it was my first kind of my own thing that I was taking on and I ha- still hadn't started writing my own music yet at that point but Will found you on the on the cover and really liked the- yeah yeah he found it and he reached out he was actually partnered with someone at the time his name was Guy and they were working together as like this uh, like a duo and Will reached out and said like I remember him really being interested if I had anything original and I didn't exactly Mm. at the time. I mean, I've always kind of written little like ditties and I had tried to start a band actually in New York via Craigslist. Um, (laughs) It was like an all girl band. Yeah. It didn't go over well because we, none of us knew how to really play instruments. So when we practiced (laughs) together, it was just kind of like chaos. (laughs) Just start an acapella group. Yeah. 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 That was, that would have probably been a better idea. Lizzie and the land tones. Right. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Will was like, if you ever are writing it, like, we're really interested in meeting you. Um, and at the time, I was actually in the process of moving back to Portland. So he said that when I got back to Portland to contact them and see if we could, like, set up a point where I could meet them in Los Angeles. So they were in, in Los Angeles at mm-hmm. the time? They were, yeah, yeah, they were both in Los Angeles. And then when I moved back to Portland, I kind of gave up on the New York thing because it was just really intense for me at the time. I remember being very like introverted there. Mm -hmm. It just, the pace of the city felt really fast. And you know, the weather was extreme. Transportation was kind of hard for me to navigate sometimes. It was a lot harder to network musically. Um, I really didn't know where to go or what to do. And my only frame of reference was that other producer right. that I had interned with. Well, in New York has always had a bit, bit of an issue on the music side. Like, yeah. and I'm saying that as a New Yorker. I think there were plenty of places to play and plenty of places to meet people. But by and large, everybody was sort of in their contained yeah. spaces. Like, I, you know, I hadn't heard about sessions or collaborating right. until we came out here. Yeah. Um, and I know, know there is a community that For exists, sure. but I think it's just a little bit harder to kind of infiltrate this. I think lately it's grown to be more cohesive since mm-hmm. most of those New York artists have gone out to Los Angeles, do sessions, and then come back yeah. with that sort of spirit. But you also yeah, got so many New York true. people coming out to LA because they're just like, oh, okay, like I just want to be where all the people are. Right, yeah. yeah you know, you true. trade the delicious bagels for, uh, mm-hmm. for you know, no winter ever. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, I love it. When I left New York, I felt very deflated, I guess, because I was upset that I it never felt like home for me and that I couldn't make it feel that way. I was always really looking forward to holidays mm. and like mm-hmm. going back to Oregon. And it's it's interesting for me now because when I did move out to Los Angeles, now I consider this home, you know, and then when I, 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 I rarely go back to Portland other than holidays and I just really enjoy it here in L.A. Yeah, it, it, what's weird is I, I always got the feeling that like New York didn't care if I was there or not. Mm-hmm. Whereas like yeah. Los Angeles is always ready to sort of be proven wrong. Yeah, like Los Angeles is like, all right, what do you, what do you got? Like sort of from mm-hmm. a vibe standpoint. Um, and so you know, I listened to like New York State of Mind and cried the other day. Oh, just because <laughs> yeah, I get home, I, I get homesick. Yeah, but yeah, it but is so good. I think that New York is a place that you always have to like leave or come back to, or right. you know, it's like it's a place that that doesn't necessarily feel like home unless you really really make it I mean the way I view it now is it was just a timing thing like if I had if I went to New York now knowing more about who I am and what my 
goals are, what I like view as like where success is going for me, I could probably live there easier and understand the way the city is. Back then I was just so lost and mm. like, it just felt very confusing and overwhelming. It was a hard place to cut your teeth. I mean, yeah, it's a definitely. hard place yeah. to like, prove yourself. Yeah. Like, here, there's a lot more support. I remember hearing like all those sort of rumors about like Los Angeles, like people here are like this and they're like that. Yeah. And you come out and it's just this beautifully supportive community mm-hmm. of creatives and even like people on the industry side. A good chunk of them, more than I thought, genuinely like music. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. I wasn't ready for that. That is true. At all. Yeah. I, you know, I was ready for like the suits. Yeah, you had I'd to heard find so much your... About your tribe you know yeah. you have to like find where your community of people and there's definitely lots of different pockets of la that feel very different well and yeah. I, I love i love talking to will about you because you can tell he just he cares so so much and yeah. has for such a long yeah. time yeah like, we've had a really long relationship he's like really the one person that kind of kicked off the idea of me moving to los angeles he flew me out to Los Angeles with his partner, Guy, and they took me out to dinner and were like just talking to me. It was so exciting for me because I was like, <laughs> maybe this is it. Like, maybe I've made it. Like, I'm out here. I'd re- My sister had, like I said, had grown up in California, but she lives in Riverside, which is just so separate from L.A. Right. But I kind of thought of them as the same. And that was the only other place I'd really visited. And I hadn't been to like L.A. proper since I had been like a kid. So um, it was just really exciting and inspiring when I went and visited for the first time. And yeah, that kind of lit like this fire under me where I was like, I can't stay in Portland. Like it's very monotonous for me Mm. because there's, you know, like I need to meet new people and get like re-inspired. And so that's, I was just really eager to move to Los Angeles when I did. Uh, And what year did you move here? That was 2013. Okay. Yeah. And, and then when did uh, Sweet Melodies come out? 2016. <laughs> it took <laughs> so me quite a while. So what were those three years, like what, when you first moved here and, and okay. what were you doing in that, that space? Yeah. Wow. Okay. When I moved to LA, I was in a serious relationship. Um, and then the day I moved, he broke up with me. And I had never seen this apartment that I ended up living in. I just saw it on Craigslist and kind of signed the lease from afar. So I was kind of like dropped into this, like, I didn't know where I was, I guess. And it was very, it was like a brand new start. And you would think that I'd be like really sad and it would be like hard for me, but there was something really exciting about that, that I had no ties anymore. You know, like I didn't need to check in with anyone. I was just kind of like doing my own thing. And it was very, very scary. But there's something about that fear that was like really, invigorating and just exciting. So uh, Will put me in the room with a bunch of different producers and I was really trying to understand what my sound was, what I was going for. But since I had so many references, I'd bring in lots of references. (laughs) It was so confusing. Yeah, it was just really confusing and I couldn't truly like hone in on one sound or one producer and I was a little lost. I think I just had a lot to learn at the time about like the industry in general and how to write. I was really hard and critical on myself because I wanted every song to be like perfect, 
but I've learned since it goes in stages, you know, and then right. you get there by you have to keep going. And I would kind of give up on a lot of songs and ideas because they weren't coming together as quickly as I wanted them to. Mm-hmm. So those first couple years were really just And were you me. writing by your yourself mainly or Um I spent a lot of time alone in my apartment writing for sure. It was another very introverted state of mind where I was kind of uncovering what I even wanted to say in music and I was a little hard on myself to a point where I needed to take a break and I started working with Nick Littlemore of Empire of the Sun. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Um on this Cirque du Soleil project. Um, and I'd go over and he would kind of like give me these prompts for a show that had already existed. I believe we were writing for Ka at the time. And um, we would just kind of make sounds and there was no lyrics to it. It was all like little noises and we'd watch like this little like performer, like a spider falling oh. from the ceiling. And we'd kind of have to just like <laughs> express what that sounds well, that's like. Probably, that was a great exercise. It was yeah, so was necessary. Cool. I didn't realize how much I needed to just kind of get out of my own head and just kind of feel and like make noise. Right. So it definitely opened up my mind to a different style of writing and just like feeling instead of being so like nitpicky about the narrative of the song and that kind of thing. Where did you first meet him? I met him um, through another writer, a talented writer named Martin Kraft. That was one of the producers that Will was putting me in the room with to write together. We did, I wrote a bunch of great songs with these people, but none of them felt like it was setting the tone for the EP that I was trying to write. And that was always the goal, is that I really wanted five songs that all kind of sounded similar, but I couldn't really commit to anything at the time. You had so many references. I had too many references, yeah. I was (laughs) going so many different directions. So after I was working with Nick, that was about two years, I guess, almost two and a half of kind of in and out sessions with him for that project. And um, Mating Ritual was mm. Pacific Air at the time. And I sang on one of their songs How did you first remotely. Okay, so. <laughs> that's an, that's a in, separately important <laughs> yeah. story. And- so, gosh, the timeline is like kind of hard to figure out. I was in a band called Combro Chill, which was a dance band and it was, this was under in the three years you were like like we're in, in the early years of being in Los Angeles. No, this was before. Ah. This was before I went to New York, or directly after. I took like a break in between to go on tour with this band. Gotcha, Conbro. Conbro Chill. Gotcha. And I was just like a dancer singer in the background, um, and they were under management. This um, this guy Drew Simmons was their manager, and Drew Simmons was also managing Pacific Air, which is Ryan's former band which is now Mating Ritual. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Gotcha. Yeah. No, I'm, <laughs> it's I'm a little confusing. It all, it's like yeah. a spider web of things. So yeah, um, they needed a female singer for a song that they were putting out under, I think they were under a public at the time. So it was very like exciting that I even got to, I was like auditioning for this song. And the song is called Roses. And I believe they had a bunch of different people um, interested in singing on it, but they chose me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I agreed to do it for free or for like little <laughs> to nothing. So that was probably an easy decision. Good incentive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great incentive. But um, I recorded it remotely in Portland in Eugene, actually. And then um, it came out. Uh, I moved to Los Angeles during that year. Mm-hmm. And they were performing at the Avalon, which was right by my studio apartment in Hollywood. And they were like, if you want to come sing it with us, you should perform <laughs> with us. So I went and sang it. And then we became fast friends and I started performing in Mating Ritual as a synth player. Oh, wow. And I would do background vocals for that. And then that is where my first like real collaboration with them or in general happened because I wrote Cold 
with mm-hmm. mating ritual and that's how i got like my spotify page and you know like it was on real distribution services that, like, like i had my it own to, like, name start the artist right project yeah. i think seeing that come to fruition was really exciting for me and it felt like real so i was like wow and, and organic it. it doesn't sound like it was everything else is very sort of calculated like, yeah i just had to kind of let go and stop yeah. trying so hard to like do everything so quickly so that that song came out when did you put out the first thing for you that right. was like separate from mating um, ritual? So it is connected to mating ritual though because I wrote Sweet Melodies with Taylor Lahan, aka Suede James. <laughs> he had an instrumental that he had been sitting on for a while that he was going to use for his own personal project, but he didn't know what to do over it. He was just kind of messing with it in the meantime. And I listened to it and I was like, this is amazing. If you're not going to use this, I'd love to try to write something to it. And I, when I sat down to write Sweet Melodies, I believe I wrote it in an under two hours. It just kind of oh, poured okay. out of me. It was very natural. And I was totally alone in a room, just kind of like, kind of in gibberish, these melodies were coming out. And I, when I finally got the lyrics to it, I just kind of listened to it. And I knew that that was like the sound that was like what it really, what I wanted the EP and the tone of the EP to sound like. So that was just the jumping off point. And that was in 2016. Uh, that's that's awesome. And, you know, it's a jam straight up. <sighs> Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, one of my favorites. It, it's funny, like I, in my head, especially before you came, I was trying to piece together all the like things that had to sort of come into play for all of us to have met the way that, that right. we did. Right, yeah. Because, you know, 2016, we were still back in Boston. Mm-hmm. We didn't come out until like, September 2017. I'd seen Will around because he was friends with Grant, but mm-hmm. I didn't meet Will until South by Southwest. We were all in Texas together. Ah, uh, yes. Um, and I, I wanted him because I, I recognized him from showcases or whatever. And uh-huh. I was like, oh, hey, nice to nice to meet you. And he, we, we really hit it off and we were just talking about all kinds of different stuff. And he was telling me about you. And we decided to get like breakfast when we got back to Los Angeles. We got breakfast. Mm-hmm. He was showing me your stuff. It was really, really cool. He's like, by the way, she's playing The Resident. What um, year was this? Well, this was 2018. Oh, okay. Okay. So uh, Will was like, Lizzie's playing The Resident. You should come to the show. Yes. And it sounds like fun. So I remember that night was just borderline surreal because I was a little bit late so I, when I got there you were you'd already started mm-hmm. and I walk in and there's like this beam of light and you're you're standing like and your hair's down like, <laughs> like it was just a very sort of surrealist image and in my head it's a lot I guess a lot more sort of like David Lynchian because that's all happening but I also remember like four people whispering like behind me at, like SZA was there too oh yeah, oh, yeah. Um, and then like, I walk outside you're with Will I wind up talking to one of Will's friends and like in the corner of the sort of courtyard, like Skrillex is just hanging out. <laughs> yeah, it was a very weird night. That was I, a crazy night. Well, I, I mean, I, it yeah. felt very David Lynchian for me as well. I was like <laughs> blacked out, like on stage. I was just so nervous, and it just kind of like the show just took over, yeah. and I was like, okay, here we go. It was my first show. It was oh, very. Wow. It was very. It was. Yeah. It was oh, my you were first awesome. Show. Oh, thank yeah. you. <laughs> it's very. It's very Hollywood though in my head. It was very like yeah. all of a sudden because the resident is also sort of set up like this out. You walk in from this outside, and like the whole thing felt very surrealist. And then Will's like, oh, come meet Lizzie. And I'm like, oh, hey, like, nice, yeah. nice to meet you. I'd love to write sometime. And I remember, like, you, you're super sweet, but you're also just, like, 
I don't think I'm free for like three months. <laughs> yeah, I think I was like trying to finish up a bunch of songs so that I could keep because a lot of the songs that I performed that night were not finished. Those were like mm-hmm. demo versions of the songs that uh, they so became. I just really was like, I want to do this show. And I had really committed to like that year doing it in that span of time. So I was like, let's just do this. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was a real that was a surreal night. But uh, the first session that we ever did f- finally like. Oh, man. Was- yeah. What a that great was such day a, that was. <laughs> I hardly can imagine what it must have looked like from your perspective because 15 minutes before you arrived, I was doing like a crossword puzzle and one uh-huh. of the answers was like Anne Boleyn. Oh. I'm like, okay, so who's this Who's this person? So, you know, I, I, I recognized the name, but I looked her up and she was obviously beheaded by one of the Henrys. Obviously. Um, obvi- <laughs> I mean, for the history buffs out there, they're like, knowledge. tell me something I don't know, yeah. you know? Uh, yeah, so she was beheaded, but I think what was really fascinating was that it was the reason she was beheaded because he wanted to get out of his, his marriage, but he couldn't come up with a reason. So he sort of made up like that she was an adulterer and he, she was tried by like 12 of like Henry's friends. And it was this was all happening around the time of the Kavanaugh hearing. So it, was, mm-hmm. it felt weirdly relevant, even though it was. It's definitely still relevant. Yeah, in like a really fucked up kind of way. And I remember also being really moved by this Wikipedia article that right before she was beheaded, she addressed everybody and she was just like, yeah, fuck this world. I'm happy to go. (laughs) She was so like happy. Because she knew she hadn't really done anything to deserve. Yeah. Yeah, there were circumstances were just so Well, She was was like, this world is really cruel. I'm ready to bounce. Yeah. Like I remember we were out on the the balcony just like, and you're like, hey, so what's been on your mind lately? And I'm like, have you heard about Anne Boleyn? (laughs) Yeah. We went down the rabbit hole. We went down the rabbit hole. But we were just like, you know, yeah, what if we wrote a song called Losing My Head? Like, And that was a joke when we first yeah. sort of, but then... It's a beautiful concept in that song. I think it really works. Well, and I think like you very much make it work. Because, you know, we say a million things whenever we're talking pre-session, but, you know, it, it, it connected with you. And then what was interesting was... You know, I was playing like a waltz at one point, mm-hmm. and that was the first time you sang the melody, and it was over three four. Yeah, the you know, gibberish. Like, my head. Right. You know, and then like I'm like, oh, that's a really yeah. pretty melody. Oh yeah. Um. So then we just from there, I think we'd wound up doing the whole. That was a quick session too. Yeah, it came session. together we really. Did, we quickly. did a lot of stuff in that session. That was back when this room had nothing in it but a piano. Yeah. Yeah. It <laughs> really is. It was. It was a pun. Now. It was. I don't mind at all. It was. I'm losing mm-hmm. my head. I don't mind. Yeah, that's the beauty in the in the song is how we can be so like if you let it over overtake your emotions or you your don't have circumstances to worry too, yeah. might be super shitty, but if you give in to the reality of what's to come, like whatever consequence is happening, and just kind of embrace it and be open to it, there's it's so beautiful to think of it that way. Because yeah. why would you want to fight something that's out of your control? Like the lyrics are not necessarily obviously ambulant, except for like right. looking down from the top of my tower. But that could also be a metaphor. Didn't we have an Oedipus? I think we tried to make an Oedipus yeah, maybe. reference. Yeah. But <laughs> and, and then when we were at the very end, we were kind of just like toying around with uh, the 90s call and response. The... Losing my head. Yeah. 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 You know, what was that session like for you? Like where you come in and all of a sudden, you yeah. know, this, this lanky guys going like have you heard about Anne Boleyn like- uh, no I honestly really loved that I mean every session is so different 
every like writing process changes. And when I walked in here with you guys, what I really appreciated and what I feel like we don't do enough as writers is really just like sit down before the session and kind of unwind with each other. And like, we were just kind of shooting the shit. And I think that's really important so that we don't go into a session with just the purpose of like, we need to write a hit or like mm -hmm. write a song today. And it's like vibing each other out. So we're all in the same like wavelength. So we know where like our headspace is kind of aligned. And that was really different for me for sure. And really cool because I felt like I was with friends and new friends and it was like nice. I felt comfortable enough to like really go do that gibberish melody thing <laughs> out of nowhere. Like normally I might be a little bit more hesitant or cautious to be loud in situations like that. But I think that was what makes, you know, our bond special. <laughs> yeah. You get good music out of like yeah, you, when yeah, there's a good, always, yeah. yeah, when there's a good vibe, you're going to get a good song out of it. Well, and I think sessions are so interesting too, because oftentimes that's the first time you meet. I mean, we we had met before, but we hadn't really like talked that right. much. Or, like, hung yeah. Out. And that was my first time meeting you. Yeah. So it's like sessions are in a way, I mean, some of our closest friends we met for the first time writing a song yeah. there's a sort of weird mm -hmm. irony um it's either irony or zen of the best songs tend to come when you're not worried about whether or not you have a song by the end of the day right yeah, yeah. i think all three of us when we came in were enjoying the conversation enough to be yeah. like oh, if this was all we got out of today great right. the pressure was off yeah that song almost felt like it already existed and we just kind of like yeah. carved it out oh, of yeah. wherever Definitely. it was just hiding stumbled upon it just like oh when yeah, that happens that's the best feeling in the yeah world, though. yeah oh yeah and it really can for people that aren't in the music industry i mean when my friends ask me like how is it when you don't know someone and you just walk into a room and you have to like write a song together like it's 100% intimidating at times mm -hmm. because you never know how they write and what their process is. So this was like a really easy thing for me. Like I felt like I was just amongst other friends and we were all just kind of doing it together. Well, yeah. so, so much of our job is, is comfort. And I think yeah. that a lot of there's a lot of songwriters and producers who think that their job is is writing a song. And, and I, I don't know, in, in a sense, I feel like you know the job is like writing a song is the byproduct of the job and the job right. is putting somebody in a in a comfortable place yeah. yeah and i don't know i mean that's the hill i think i want to die on like yeah sort of believing that that you know maybe i'll write a hundred less songs in my lifetime be as a result of it but i think i would much rather have friends and much rather like understand and write something that somebody really wants to yeah write something that's about. like really on someone's mind instead of just being like let's write a song that's gonna be a radio hit or <laughs> right. whatever like you yeah. know forcing a lyric because it's like you run to the session without talking about anything it's like what concepts do you have in your book of concepts yeah totally because <laughs> like what was nice about that session is you know nate brought in this thing about Anne Boleyn. but it wasn't as a concept yeah it was just... yeah it wasn't and then like you a were plan and then you were talking about this thing of like you know like we all walk around and it was, it was like this concept of like, oh, like every, everyone's life looks perfect from the outside, but mm -hmm. you don't know what's going on inside. And that's like a hard thing to write about. We've tried to write about that before on multiple occasions and it hasn't always been the best song. But right. I think having that with this like fun metaphor, like it all very, it clicked together very easily, easily because we were just sort of talking, talking about it. Beforehand. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I think the other thing that's fun is that uh, between the demo and the final, there wasn't I mean, I think we wound up going over like like minuscule details. For I like know, couple, it really didn't change that much. I think the biggest change was uh, you and I went back and forth on this. Harder to find. Oh yeah. You know, versus uh, harder to find. But yeah, it was a very special song, you mm -hmm. know, and I think that that also sparked a friendship because we've all hung out just like, not to write, just to hang right. a lot. Um, I feel like so much of the stuff we wound up even collaborating on 
has been these sort of happy accidents. Like I was mm-hmm. at the music video shoot for yes. um yeah you up. had like kind of a big role you had the uh the mirror <laughs> face, I was the mirror face mirror yeah face. but during a break and i was like hopped up on like some medication because i was sick oh nice um, i didn't know that i think I, yeah I, I came in i'm like it was the, the it was the medication that like i think it was antibiotics that sort of get you like <laughs> yeah. buzzed yeah. um so i was i was hot and so while everybody was relaxing between takes i was like a little bit dancing around yeah i was a bit excitable um, and there was a piano there, so I started playing. Because mm-hmm. you know, we've been listening to Messed Up like 70 times that night, so I yeah. started playing on the piano. And you come over really excited, like, we should go to Joshua Tree and record a music video for the acoustic <laughs> version. I know, when we were so close to doing that. I mean, we did end up, we recorded it. We recorded it. Yeah, yeah recorded it exists. I'm very happy. A piano version. Yeah. Um, and even like the, re- the remix, too. I mean, it's like. Oh my gosh, yeah, your mm-hmm. guys' remix is probably my favorite or one of my favorites well it was really i mean one of the first remakes we've done in a while and it was just fun of, to definitely get. one of my favorites that i've ever done what was cool about that is that it's kind of messed up in its yeah. own <laughs> way and it fits together like this weird puzzle that just works like everything that's going on in the remix is kind of like would this go with this? Like, probably not. And then it just happens in the remix <laughs> and it totally vibes. Like, everything works together and flows together. Well, it's funny. And we've talked about this before. Like, we, we'll remix a song for two reasons. Like, the first reason is because the song's fine, but I think if we had gotten it first, we would have done something different. Mm-hmm. And that's why we remix it. And we do that in that sort of version. Um, but the other reason is, like, the song's great and the song is, like, the production did everything it needed to do. So can we like fuck it up? Like, yeah. how, yeah. you know, um, I love that. <laughs> it's, a, it's a philosophy. Yeah. You know? But also being artists that have like received remixes, like, you know, I know what I want out of a remix. Right. So I think that's also helped me inform like what I, you know, I'm just like, I want to just do like really interesting things with this. Well, I know. Really- I could tell too. I mean, I knew when I asked you guys to do one that I was going to get a good one. <laughs> well, we were really influenced by like from the start by how like Lido would remix. Because Lita would oh, add yeah. in mm-hmm. his own verses. He mm-hmm. would, you know, add in his own voice sometimes. Mm-hmm. He'd bring in his, you know, his own samples and his own sound and his really amazing grasp of theory. And a Lita remix was not like anything you'd ever hear. Yeah. And that was something that we wanted to do. We were like, all right, if we have the chops and the wherewithal to do it. Sometimes we'd ask friends, like, hey, do you mind if we, like, throw in some of our own vocals or some yeah. of our own, you know. And so that's, like, his philosophy of remixing, I think, opened the door to, like, a lot more freedom for us. Yeah, and I think that's I I love when remixes are very different from the original too. I mean, you don't want it to be like it's a hat on a hat otherwise, cra- yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I just I liked how like crazy it came off in such a perfectly like musical way. Well, I think yeah, the, the three of us are all pretty crazy, so yeah. That's true. Um, <laughs> I, I think uh, we talked about this last time we hung out. Like we, I like hanging out with you as much as I like writing with you. Which is a problem. <laughs> it is always fun. It's like it's, like, it's a very good problem to have. But it's yeah. like, I'm like, oh, do you want to hang? Do you want to write? Do you want to do both? Whatever. Like, yeah, you know. yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for all of it to to come out. Ready for questions? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So these are these are lightning round, but take whatever time. Lightning yeah. is a loose, a very loose, loose term. term. Yeah. Loose is lightning. Loose is lightning. <laughs> all right. First question. What's your phone background? Oh, it's white. It's just pure white. Oh. Oh. What's the I'm a minimalist on on my Oh, yeah, you have well, the crazy. You're, yeah, you're, yeah, your I've, apps I've are all I've color-coded all of apps. my apps. No, it's it's, it's, crazy. it's so satisfying yeah, it's like to look at. Blue to green to orange. It's been like this yeah. for years, too. 
I just refuse to have a real background because it looks so busy. It really does. To me, honestly. now that I'm used to this, yeah. But yeah. also, like, I don't know, the organization. I, I need to know where my apps are. Right. And I don't remember no, what No, I know where they are. I know, it's, it's impressive. I'm but. very, like, I know where everything is. People do say that, though, like, where, how are you going to find anything? It's like, it's very easy. You just get yeah, used you, to Yeah, you it. get used to whatever crazy system you have. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah. it must be nice to have it vis- that visually satisfying all the time. It is, it is nice. Uh, do you have a non-musical hobby? Cooking, I love to cook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great one. We're gonna have the I cook only point, like yeah. comfort meals. Like my um, my specialties are meatloaf and mm-hmm. mashed potatoes, which I made last night. <laughs> <laughs> I love like lasagna and I love steak. Obviously, I make a great steak. Um, I want I want to try the mashed potatoes. I'm a big fan of mashed potatoes. Oh gosh, so. yeah. You guys have to come over. I'll make you steak and mashed potatoes. I'm down for that. Do you have a weird random skill? Um, I can make weird shapes with my tongue. Whoa. Like the clover thing, you know? Yeah, I can't do oh. that. Yeah, I can do that. I can kind of like roll it. Oh, weird. Whoa. What? Whoa. Okay. That doesn't Sorry. translate to a podcast. Yeah, I don't know how to describe what just happened. I don't even know if I want to describe what just happened. I just, yeah. For the for the listeners back home. Explicit I just, content. Yeah, I just saw this <laughs> tongue do something I never knew a tongue could do. And... <laughs> all right, point proven. You, you can do you use your your weird random yeah. stuff. Yeah, all right. What skill... Would you like to have? <laughs> I guess I always wanted to be better at like sports. Mm. I'm really not Which sport? coordinated. I used to play like city league basketball as a okay. kid, and I was just the really annoying girl like on defense. That's like get her away from me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm not that coordinated um, when it comes to sports. And I think I, as a kid, I always really wanted to be like on a soccer team. I don't know sport. I don't know if I really want to. You know what? I might be lying. I don't really care about sports. I don't think I'd want to play sports. <laughs> but it, you would lie to us on this truthful podcast. I'm just trying podcast. to think of like what I. But like, it'd be nice to just be like, I can shoot a three pointer anytime I want. Like that's, yeah. that would be a good skill to have. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna. That's that's my answer. Um, <laughs> which fictional universe would you want to live in? Oh, like Harry Potter. Nice. Okay. Yeah, that's a good one. What superpower would you want? I want to read minds. Ooh, that sounds. That's yeah. Seems- Actually, would that be really hard for you to cope with? Well, like, I feel like if you could turn it off. Do I really want to know? Yeah. Like, yeah, I, like know? Maybe, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I don't really want to know. I feel like it would make for a hard life. Uh, very informed, but a very hard life. That's really true. Maybe like um, teleportation would be really cool because yeah. I haven't traveled enough in my life. So I just want to like hop over to Rome and have, have some pasta yeah. again. Yeah. I don't want teleportation or perfect memory. Perfect memory would be really helpful for me. Yeah. I'm, I'm like a goldfish. I, I would say I have... A really good memory, like I, I know. I, I know that about you. I yes. really, like I, and I, pr- I just that's, don't. That's important to me, but like sometimes I can't even remember what I like had for breakfast. Who are you? Wait, what? Hello. Where Ooh, am I? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This next one is, uh, where and when would you time travel to, given that there are no paradoxes, and you could also be a fly on the wall, like if you wanted to be. If you wanted to be. Where and when. Um, like Celine Dion's first show. <laughs> that's, a great, that's a great answer. That's a great answer. Yeah. yeah, go for it. All right. The most important question. I'm Would nervous. you be a pirate? I would be a siren. Ooh. Ooh. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, do you have a tattoo? Yeah. Oh, what God. I was literally just going to tell you what it was because it's <laughs> kind of pertains to that. I have a tattoo on my right foot that says official mermaid princess whoa it was kind of a fucked up um drunk 
thing that I did. Sorry, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, that, that, that was yeah. assumption was already made. That Yeah, it's like an inside joke, sort of. But it's also kind of meaningful to me because my favorite movie when I was growing up was Ariel, like The Little Mermaid. Oh, right. And I... Her, you know, when her sisters are like swimming around and they're singing and they're about to perform on in the shells. Oh yeah. Like I that I wanted to be one of her sisters so <laughs> bad. So my like idea was that I was trying to be like Ariel and my sister and I like talk about how I was like this mermaid princess and I was thinking I was gonna get all these like stick and poke tattoos and this was gonna be like one of the first but I just got it and it terrified me so much that I haven't got another <laughs> tattoo since and I've looked into the process of getting it removed like a million times but I'm terrified of how bad it's gonna hurt. <laughs> if you could do it all again, what what would your first tattoo be? I mean, I don't take it back. I would probably get that same one just because okay. it's probably it's very like me. Like okay, is, yeah, okay, Lizzie. Like, yeah, great. Of yeah. course you would do that. It's very funny. Yeah. Um, it is if you know me, and if you don't, you're like, oh, that girl thinks she's a princess. Yeah. Cute. It's yeah. like one of those like stickers that you get from the like sparkly stickers. It's like 99. Well, yeah. I think it's funny. It's like a very endearing drunk tattoo. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's not like. And it's fucking big too. Like you can't not notice it. If you got a, if any animal as a pet, given that it wouldn't kill you as well, what would it be? Any pet? I mean, given that it wouldn't kill me. I don't know. I just love my cats. Okay, but let me think outside the box. Like, a dolphin would be really cute. But at the one. same time, like, I don't want to make a dolphin my pet. Oh, like, ethically. Yeah. Ethically, yeah. But yeah, I, you know, I suppose if you had Given like... Given that it wouldn't kill me. Maybe like a like a bear a would bear. be really fun. A bear would be so That'd much be cool. fun. If it was like cuddling me and like really You'd cute. ride the bear. Yeah. <laughs> Just a big friendly yeah. bear. Like a big brown bear. <laughs> ride a bear into sessions. That'd be fun. Oh, yeah. And or just like bring it to the session. Like, sorry, I got to bring Charlie here. It's just... Yeah. It's like, it's like no, you don't talk about it. And then it's just like, can we talk about the bear in the room? Yeah. It's like, no, it's fine. <laughs> what would you name your bear? Um, I just said Charlie because it came out like okay. it just sounds like Charlie a bear, bear name or like I, I would it, name it like a human name for sure. Like I name it Teddy. Teddy. Teddy the oh, bear. There Teddy you the bear. Right. But Theodore. Theodore the bear. Theodore, Theodore when the he's bear. in trouble. Oh, yeah. Theodore Barrington the second. <laughs> um, Paddington do. Paddington do. Paddington What's with the bear in your living room? It's like that's Paddington too. <laughs> Everybody's looking around for Paddington 1. <laughs> Oof. All right, now we have the round of favorites. Mm. What's your favorite color to wear? Red. <laughs> <laughs> She's literally wearing all red. This is like red. kind yeah, of a point. new thing, though, that I embraced red. It was always, I always loved like lavender or green, um, but I just really like red now. It's my favorite right, color. Your socks are lavender and red. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. The, the, I mean, those are my two favorite colors. Yeah. Uh, favorite holiday? Christmas. Oh, it's a good one. Mm-hmm. It's a classic. Uh, favorite meal? Steak. Or actually, you know, probably any pasta. I mm. love pasta. And like a creamy pasta to be exact. Like I love like Alfredo pastas. Nice. Uh, favorite movie, book, or TV show? Yeah, no, okay, no. I have so many favorite movies, but I love the ones that I grew up watching. Like The Birdcage, First Wives Club, like The Godfather, Matilda, like really weird random nice, yeah. things i really can't choose one i don't have a favorite actually you know maybe it's like nine to five with dolly parton oh wow nice. okay yeah i know like every word to that movie <laughs> and for some reason i could just put it on it just makes me happy uh wait book yeah book. but my favorite book i'm not like an avid reader but i did read all the harry potters and i loved them <laughs> i don't know i don't read that much you're reading i want to say you're... something really smart like the bell jar but that would be not 
correct. Well, you're I the, love, uh, like, the second Harry Potter book, Chamber of Secrets, is my book. favorite one. I remember thinking, like, spoiler alert, at the end, when <laughs> they the go into the chamber, <laughs> when they go into the chamber, I remember, like, it was, like, the first twist in a book that I had read where it was just so satisfying, where I was like, Ginny opened the Chamber of Secrets? <laughs> and I was, like, so excited by the book that it, like, really, like, I mean, after that, I was, like, so hooked that I would be the girl at, like, Borders or whatever bookstore yeah. you were at, like, in line when it, like, yeah. came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll do it. I'll definitely do it. Oh, and then TV show? TV yeah. show. Gosh, I love TV so much. This is a tough one. So do we. You know that. Of all time, I've never really thought of that. I love the Romanoffs. Oh, yeah. As well as Black Mirror, same kind of thing. I love, like, easy TV shows to watch, like Friends, Seinfeld is one of my favorites. I love Seinfeld and Curb. I still watch Cheers on the regular. Oh, Cheers, yeah. I never really got into Cheers as much as I got into, like, the Seinfeld thing. The Office, obviously, I've watched that too many times. Um, like I love documentaries, too. That's not a TV show or a movie, really, but... Documentary it's now, a movie, though. It's a movie. <laughs> Documentary now is so that's good. A great TV show. Oh, my God, yeah. Catalina Breeze. Catalina. That's, that's on Spotify. They put oh, it out right. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> Favorite date you've ever been on? I mean, my boyfriend took me to Paris for my birthday. That's pretty uh, good. That's a good move. Last year? The year before last. Like, that whole thing, I want to consider a date. That's a real mating yeah. ritual. Ba-dum. Oh, ba-dum. that was terrible. Best Halloween costume you've done? Mm. I've never been good at the Halloween costume thing. I always wait till the last minute and I always just like draw something on my face because I waited so long. And then every year too, I always go, okay, that girl is wearing such a creative costume. I've got to do something next year. Next year. I'm going to plan it so far Um, in advance. I'm trying to think of what I've even been. I mean, I've been an M&M. I thought that was really fun. (laughs) It was a big blue M&M. Like it was an M&M. Oh, wow. (laughs) Like an actual piece of candy. Yeah. But I've never really got that creative with Halloween costumes. I always wanted to be a character. Oh, The Fifth Element. That's one of my favorite movies. I always <laughs> wanted to be Lilu or the actual diva that sings the diva song. Yep. All right, I'll, that'll, that's, that's I'll a good do one. it. It's funny. We I don't think we've ever been like particularly creative about costumes, but have minimally gotten away with a lot. Like one year, Noah spray painted his hair white, and I bought a, a yellow shirt and we were Rick and Morty. Oh, cute. Yeah. And That's one year one. I put on a blue shirt and just grew out a beard and he put on um, just a red sweater. And we were Miguel and Tulio from El Dorado. Oh, that that's a great movie. That was that was. Wow, what, what, you guys, yeah, I can see it. Even what, what did we do last year again? Well, I was about this close to getting a red shirt, rolling up the sleeves, and getting a football, and then we very much could have been Tommy and and and. Oh, and, Greg Cicero. Oh, friend. okay. So one of my ideas that I did want to be was the Heim sisters because someone Ooh, had told me nice. that I looked like them, and I wanted to get two cardboard cutouts of the other sisters <laughs> just in the like, so I'm in the center. But you know, that's a lot of work. Can so. you whistle? Sometimes, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> can I can do... whistle with my teeth as well. Like, oh. Whoa, Whoa, that's cool. Like a bird. Wait, that's, wait, can you do more of that? That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that I could do that. Can you whistle losing my head? <laughs> okay. Nice, nice. It was okay. <laughs> um... Can you do any impressions? I like to think I can sing like Celine Dion. I could see that. What do you got? Um, Give us something. Okay. 
When I was young, I never needed anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you had that unlock. Um, okay, one thing that you looked forward to as a kid that turned out to be not so great as an adult. Like paperwork? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I used to like play businesswoman, you know? Mm-hmm. My mom actually was working at Prudential Financial for a long time, and she'd bring me these like post-it like all the like supplies home you know she had her little desk and I'd like sit at her desk and think like oh, I can't wait till I like do my own paperwork and obviously that sucks now so I I, uh, I remember like distinctly saying to my dad like I, I hate you you get a hundred emails a day and I only get like two emails a day <laughs> like I hate you I hate yeah. you like I wish people emailed me as much as they emailed <laughs> I just like I imagine in retrospect now like I just must have sounded like such a schmuck because now I'm like, I want to, I want Not two emails. Yeah. Please. Seriously. Yeah. Are you like a person that has like a bunch of unread emails on your phone? Mm-mm-mm-mm. No, okay. I, I have like shortcuts on Gmail. I have like macros and folders. I, my unreads are like two and they're like serial numbers for programs. I yeah. still got to download. I'm I really good at checking my email. when things build up like that. Yeah, that's no, another like neither. really r- annoying thing that I do with my phone. Like I can't have the the little, the red, little dots. red dots. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it would ruin your whole color scheme if you had the red dots. You know. Oh yeah, yeah that doesn't true. go um, in the blue section. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually better at checking my email than checking texts. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's yeah. true. I think sometimes I am too. What's something you did that you'll never do again? Get a tattoo. There you go. <laughs> Could have seen that one coming. Uh, do you have a scar with a story? No. Oh, well, okay. Yeah. I do have one on my leg. My mom. Wow. Yeah. This is a story. Okay. So my mom (laughs) used to ride motorcycles for BMW. Okay. (laughs) I have some amazing pictures that I can show you. Um, But she was like a real badass and she was like the, the model for BMW where she would like ride around the world really. And then she'd ride into like the convention center on the new model and then like take her helmet off and like throw her hair around and shit. So she got a motorcycle from BMW and I remember she had two motorcycles. She had a Bonneville Triumph and this BMW that was like much quieter that I would like to ride on. But I rode on both with her when I was young and we would go um, like up and down the coast of Oregon and she would kind of like strap me on her back with this like little harness thing. And we stopped to get gas on the way to this place called the Enchanted Forest, which was it's a really strange mini theme park in the forest in Oregon. And I loved it. And before we got there, we stopped at this gas station and somehow like part of my leg was exposed. I believe I I always wore pants when I was riding on the motorcycle, but somehow my like legs, like I'd lifted up my pants or something and I was like walking around because it was really hot. And the exhaust pipe on the motorcycle was super, super hot. And I leaned up against it and I got a huge scar. It was like, yeah, it was, it was a really intense burn. And then it didn't hurt, I remember, because it hurt so bad, you know? And oh, then yeah. later it started to hurt, yeah. and I had a scab, like, that turned into this, like, really weird white scar. But I think it's kind of healed now. That's really the only, like, scar that I have. Did so. you go to the hospital for it, or? No, I don't rem- I don't think I did. Um, but my mom did have to, like, wrap it and mm. do all I don't know. Hmm. Do you have any recurring dreams? I used to have a dream when I was younger of this like a wading pool, like a baby pool kind of, but it had wood on the outside. And I would fall in my dream into the pool and there were wolves around the pool. And oh, when weird. I stepped out of the pool, I would wake up like the wolves ate me or something. Whoa. 
I don't have that anymore, but it was like I was dying. I used to have a dream that I was like underwater, like swimming, and there was a very large, like mega mouth, like whale shark or something. Wow. And, that, some, and that was a reoccurring dream? So yeah, it, it a couple times. Sometimes I would just be there. One time I was feeding it pies, but I don't oh. think that was recurring. <laughs> oh my God. But if, yeah, I would invariably get eaten at some point and wake up. Once yeah, yeah. And I remember it was like a choice that I knew where I was and that if I stepped out, yeah. I would die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did it anyway. Yeah. I also have had a lot of dreams where I'm trying to run, but it's like I'm wearing tights on like a marble floor and I can't get anywhere yeah, where classic. I'm like, oh. do you ever have dreams where you're like tired in the dream? Like you're too tired to move? In, oh, yeah. In or you're like, I almost have like, had like, dreams where I have to push off of things to move forward. Yeah, yeah definitely. Because you're like muscles don't work. Or if you like need to fight someone in a dream and you go to like punch them, but it's in slow motion and you like barely touch them yeah. and they're like laughing at you or something. <laughs> I've had that I, I, I have dreams where like I can't keep my eyes open. Yeah. Like I have dreams where like I'm trying to like talk to somebody or try to like I know I'm like being chased. Or I have to get out of somewhere, but like I'm so so tired. Yeah. Or have you ever seen like someone's face and you think it's one person, but it kind of morphs into a different version of that person? Or it's like I've always had like two people existing in the same space. Like mm-hmm. it's like the you know it's like you look from one angle or another, but it's just like it's the embodiment of like two ideas of of two different yeah. people. Yeah. No, my, my favorite is when it's like it's someone that you know, but it just doesn't look anything like them, but you know that it's that yeah, person. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, it was so and so, but it, the visually nothing like that person. Yeah. Oh yeah, I definitely. <laughs> Do you write down your dreams? No, I not not that often. We'll we'll like walk to breakfast and and be like, I had this dream the other night. <laughs> That's like, <laughs> I have looked up weird dreams that I've had, like if I remember them just to think if there's to see if there's any kind of relevance to where my headspace is at. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really write them down. What are three thoughts you have at this exact moment? My eyes are burning <laughs> from the onions earlier. <laughs> I love you guys. And it's getting hot in LA and I'm not quite prepared. Emotionally. Emotionally yeah. and wardrobe wise. Definitely. We love you right back. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any advice to your teenage self? Don't be so hard on yourself. <laughs> yeah, I think that's like everyone should just chill out in their teen years because you think like everything's so important and that it like every move you make matters and like being cool is cool and it just doesn't matter. Like you should just be happy and have a good time being useful. True. That's nice. Do you have any advice for new artists, producers, and writers? Yeah, I would say I think that being really critical on yourself when it comes to music is only like a disservice to you. If you don't release things when you feel like they're done and you're proud of them, then they sit around too long and you might not release them and then you have no room to evolve as an artist and grow. So just kind of being okay with where it's at in the moment and knowing that that's where you were as an artist in the moment should be enough for you to release something and just kind of move on and create other good songs. Uh, What are you most proud of? I'm proud of the fact that I can talk about who I am as a person and like my own growth because I think for a long time, like the Playboy Bunny thing, when I found out that my mom was in Playboy, it was like such a shock that that was the first thing that I ever like kept secret and I became very introverted in those moments and I started to kind of shy away from like being silly and now I'm at a point where I'm kind of internalizing all of it and as an artist it's coming out where my vulnerability is 
important to me. And I think that there's so much of that in the songs that I wrote and that I included on the EP. So I'm proud to be able to just say like in messed up that I'm a little bit messed up and that that's okay. So my music is kind of just like this long journal of like where I'm at in my life. And I'm most proud of the songs on my EP. That's awesome. I love that. Well, and that's the thing, like honesty is always going to be this like sliding scale. Like we can all be honest and never say anything. Yeah. Like we can all, you know, because on the one hand, it's like the lies that we tell ourselves, you right. know, and then the lies that we tell other people. But sometimes, you know, we, we don't realize what affects us because we haven't thought about it or we yeah, haven't. Yeah, absolutely. Think, and there's well, no shame in anything that you have or haven't done. Because who, who you are like, is the amalgamation of all of it. Exactly. So yeah. Even the worst things that ever happen to you, if you're a good person and you have good intentions, like right. that made that happen. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But that's definitely like a hard pill to swallow. Oh, yeah. 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 It's tough. So you wrote down your favorite lyric, um, which is from Call Me. Right. It's, maybe I'm saying too much, but I feel it changing us. Promise me we're better off grown up now. Maybe I'm saying too much, but I feel it changing us. Promise me we're better off grown up now. What does that mean for you? The song Call Me is very nostalgic and it's really about celebrating friendships that hold up to all the time and space in between when you might see that person again. I have a lot of friends, but I but this specific sentiment only really pertains to a handful because I think no matter what, as you're growing up, a lot of friendships or just relationships in general are going to fizzle out. And that's okay, but there are some that I feel just kind of hold up to all of that time and that means so much. So basically, it's about that friend that you can call on at any point in your life. Let's say you haven't talked in like 10 years and that is they're going to answer and they're going to be there for you. And I wanted to kind of just celebrate that kind of relationship. So mm-hmm. this line is like, this person that I wrote it about is a good friend of mine and she's not great at like expressing emotion or she gets a little bit uncomfortable when if I'm ever like, I truly care about you, you know, like we're, (laughs) you know, like, so I'm like, it's, I said, maybe I'm saying too much, but I feel it changing us like growing up and talking about it. It can be an uncomfortable thing to talk about because like they're slipping away, but you know, like promise me we're better off grown up now. Like promise me that in all of this, like being an adult is better than being like juvenile and stuck to a moment and time. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, it really resonates. I mean, and we've talked about this before, but this really resonated with me because, like, my two best friends, Luke and David. Like, I've known I've known Luke since I was in third grade. Yeah. My pretty much my entire life, and and David, you know, likewise. And we were we would go to lunch every day together. We would yeah. hang out every day together. And even while we were in college, we would all surprise each other for each other's birthdays. Mm-hmm. Like we would drive up to Philly or to Boston. You know, I miss them because I moved 3,000 miles away from them. Yeah. I still play League of Legends with Luke every once in a while. And yeah. I call David really regularly. And what's cool is that friends like that, you don't necessarily have to call all the time. Luke visited for my birthday this year. He didn't surprise me because we had to like coordinate. But yeah. he visited me for my birthday. He got to see my, my world and my friends. And he saw like us play the Echo. Oh, and that's so special. It was yeah, really was special because really I wasn't sure if... And wasn't sure isn't the right word because I think, you know, I, I knew, but like I, I didn't know whether I was deceiving myself yeah. and thinking that we were all going to be fine and as friends, you know, when we were adults. But yeah. I think, you know, you find your people and, and you put in the work and, right. and that, that means something. Yeah. Uh, I think also another way of explaining it that might be more clear is like 
I think back to when we had first met and we were so young. We were it's almost like the phase when you're when you're little and you pinky promise each other that you're never going to like be apart mm-hmm. and that like I'm going to be at your wedding and we're going to when you buy a house, I'm going to buy a house. It's like these little promises that you had. So it's like promise me we're better off growing up now is like what's pulling us apart is growing up and that's mm-hmm. what makes it sad. So it's like it's almost like talking to the kid that you once were. Yeah. And being okay with all the time and space and what happens to relationships. And that's sad, but it's okay. And we will always be there for each well, other. Just friendships like those evolve, evolve, promises. You know, yeah. it's like my best friend and I aren't like playing video games for mm-hmm. 10 hours in, in his basement. But on the other hand, you know, I'm not like cursing him out because he said like so-and-so won't like me back. You know, our friendships are different. And, and it's bizarre to think I'll be at their wedding and yeah. they'll know my you know kid yeah. or whatever. Like they're... There's so much life ahead of us for all of us. And that's something I'm really looking forward to. Yeah. Because I know that we'll all be able to grow and change together. Because mm-hmm. I think it's really easy to grow apart. But if you don't want that, then you fight, you know, you fight for it. Right. That's what I think the song is a reminder of is that, you know, yeah. just call when somebody's on your mind. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know? exactly. That's how they stay with you. Mm-hmm. You have this, this EP coming out. I do. I'm so excited. It's been a long time coming. What's it called? It's called Intro Music Plays. I love that. It's really a nod to cinema. It's like I've always had like movies playing throughout my head as I write songs. I'm a very like visual person and I love watching music videos. Often I'll actually be writing and then I'll have a music video that I just am a fan of on mute and I'll kind of sync them so (laughs) that I can kind of see what it would look like. Yeah. Um, Is there a music video in particular that you really love? I love a, the Chet Faker video. Oh, nice. All of his videos, actually. And then I love Kung's. It's called Your Girl or This Girl. It's really good. It's like somewhere in the Mediterranean, and it's just like two young kids kind of playing in these mountains and in a cave, and it's really cool. But I'm a huge fan of music videos, and I love the ones that look like scenes out of movies. Yeah. Um, that's just kind of one long thing. And I watch so much TV and film that I'm just kind of indirectly influenced by it all the time when I'm writing. So a lot of my inspirations kind of start with visuals and movie and film and TV, whatever it might be. So I really wanted, it just kind of came to me one day. I I also watch movies with subtitles on often Mm -hmm. because... I'm usually probably like eating and I just can't hear, but I like, I've gotten used to looking <laughs> and reading. You well, you know, just like, I, li- <laughs> I just like to put them on if I'm like far away because I'll be sitting at the dining room or something and like just yeah, kind of look over that. and it's just kind of on. I just feel like I get a lot more out of movies also when the subtitles are on sometimes. Yeah, I just kind of miss things. directly with like the, the text of the thing, yeah. like with, yeah. with the script behind it. Exactly. So when I envision like the whole process of writing the EP, it felt like one long scene for me and it's Mm. like building up to this moment where I'm kind of coming out and I'm trying to be vulnerable and really just introduce myself as I am in a way that feels like intro music to a movie Mm -hmm. so it's just sort of yeah a nod a nod to cinema in that way well what I like is that the songs on the record span from bad things which is like more of the cinematic Mm -hmm. sort of atmospheric to messed up which could be out of like an 80s film yeah. to something like Losing My Head, which falls somewhere in like the tears for fears, mm-hmm. um, but also potentially the 90s era. Right. Like, but it all feels very sort of cinematic and climactic. Like it feels like it, it's every song builds towards 
Yeah, a lot of the structure is almost like a movie, you know, it starts off like very gentle and there's a lot of like development emotionally. And then at the end, they're always a little bit bigger and a little more, yeah, theatrical, cinematic. Mm -hmm. Um, And I want them to play like that, you know, like I want it to play out in a way that that builds and isn't just one thing and the whole time. Well, even seeing you live too, I mean, there's just so much like energy, like when you perform. Yeah, and you perform with Taylor, it's still right? so new for me. But yes, I, I generally perform with Taylor's on keys. I usually have a guitarist, but I have have been playing a few shows without them. And it's just me and Taylor, which is also really fun. But yeah, I'm still kind of building out the live show. Um, it's still very exciting and also very nerve wracking because I always just get so overwhelmed with wanting it to look and sound in the way that I hear it in my head. Right, and, yeah. you know, I always put that probably um, unnecessary pressure on myself. But well, that's what you're saying, the advice you would give to young artists. Yeah, I just like, got to do it. You yeah. you say something, Noah, that I really like. Just oh, yeah, I, I opened up a journal. I was trying to convince myself to write in a journal. And, I'm, and, I, was, and I asked myself, like, why do I have such a hard time with this? And I wrote down the phrase, it's never going to be the right thing if it isn't anything at all. Yeah, that's so true. If you don't do anything, nothing's going to happen. Yeah, I think you're like, uh, you have so much energy on stage that no matter what you end up doing with it, like it'll it'll work. And it's just different stages of like good and great and like how that'll work. So yeah, it I, has, it's always been kind of an innate thing that takes over that I, I, sometimes I plan on doing things and it just, it doesn't happen, but something else even better happens because yeah. it's just a natural, whatever I'm doing is generally mm-hmm. like, Live shows are fun. You have fun. Yeah. That's the whole Yeah, thing. you do have to just relax a little bit and enjoy it. I have learned that if I'm if I'm too like robotic about what I think I need to be doing next, then I kind of lose track of where my emotion is in the song. Yeah. And I think you can definitely tell in live shows that I've seen that I feel are the most powerful, you can tell that they're in the song, you know, that they're feeling what they're saying and that it's a fluid thing. Right. Well, when you played Madame Sam, you had that, that one song where you say hey really loud, and I love that. Oh, you yeah. Like, you, like, do a karate pose on it. it was yeah. Like, <laughs> There's a lot of, like, in space in between where I'm not singing, so I just kind of, like, vibe out to it. <laughs> I was losing my shit for losing my head. Like, oh, I was, yeah. I mean, that one's even got even better live. We figured out. I can't wait. No, I can't wait to, to, yeah. to see it. Is, is there anything else you want to um share to the to the world i don't think so i'm just really excited for everyone to hear the ep i've got an ep release show coming up um which i'm really excited about and then i'm going on a mini tour with mating ritual this fall um i'll be doing a little west coast tour so i'll be in canada washington oregon california maybe arizona and then yeah Hometown in Portland? Are you? Yeah, I'll be playing in Portland. Nice. nice. Yeah, I'm excited at the Doug oh, Fur Lounge. Thank you for, for coming on. We, yeah. we no, thank you for having me. Yeah. This is started, so fun. So. I knew it would be. <laughs> You're the best. Love you guys. We would like to thank Jägermeister and Isotope for their early support of Talking Lion.